Welcome to Around the Board, a show where four board game enthusiasts discuss board game topics and news. Here are your hosts, Andy, I clearly like the sound of my own voice too much, Barnett, Dan, 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 the board game man, Connors, John, my neck beard apparently offends some people, Theisman, and Chris, I'm so into pro wrestling, it kind of creeps people out, Thomason. Welcome, let's go around the board. Oh, what's How going on, doing? fellas? How's it going, boys? All right. It's been a long yeah. week, I tell you what. It has. <laughs> and a long day. Uh, long day's night. Yeah, yeah, that too. Hey, Chris, I had a question for you, buddy. All right. Um, what's up? Who'd you say your favorite uh, game designer is? Oh, uh, that's, that's uh, the good Dr. Reiner Knizia. Reiner Knizia. I was wondering if you have ever played this little gem, Ooh. Hollywood Blockbuster. I, I, I feel like I've heard of that one, but I've not played it. Not played it, eh? So weird. This game, I just want to talk about this game real quick because I mentioned sure. it on the on our on our Facebook page. It's been released like six times under different names. And really? the latest iteration, I thought I was kind of gypped when I got this in a trade because I thought I was trading for a different version of it. But huh. it's impossible to list any version without just having the same picture. There was a... Uh, the one before, I can't remember what it was called, but it had all the real actors and directors in it. This one has like parodies of actors and directors in it. Um. And then there's the new one is called Nightmare Productions, which is just generic horror movies is what you're making with that one. But it's it was I, to me, it, there's not much to this game. It's a few standees, a board and some chits. And the new game well, is going for 60 bucks. When you're like, a designer that has made 600 games, 700, actually, whatever. Eventually, you're bound to have a dud here and there. Oh no! It's not that the game's not not good. I just don't see how they're charging sixty bucks for a game that's already been produced and there's not much to it. It's I mean, just called inflation. The new 40. There it's we just, go. Well, yeah. okay. Sixty's the new forty. But I got old London Bridge from Gen Con for twenty bucks less or whatever. So hashtag a lot thanks. more to that game. But inflation, people. There you go. Yeah, exactly. But but hey, thought, that's not what people came here for. It's not. What did they come no, here I'm for? Gonna make a, I'm going to make a stand. Uh, something here. else. Around the board is against inflation. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That is a very controversial line. stance. Hey, Chris, um, I have a question for you. Um, you came up with this cool part of our show, and I want to know uh, how you came up with it. Uh, it's well, here. Let's just let's, let's do it. Do it. It's it's time for uh, th- this part of the show, which is uh, right here. Well, I mean, in my opinion, it just writes itself. Uh, uh, the pro wrestler Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, uh, one of his monikers is the game, and so that was the pro- that was the entrance music that he'd come out to. Uh, what did you say his name was? Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. I thought that was like a cream for your butt. Uh, well, th- this is, it is, but it's it's triple protection. <laughs> but I'm thinking of uh, preparation H. I'm sorry. yes, correct. But uh, the uh, the great thing actually about the song, also why I like it, is actually it's uh, uh, written and uh, performed by Motorhead. So uh, that was also like an extra little bonus. So no, it's funny that Again, all the things that Daniel doesn't have any yes. idea. About. Yeah, I don't know what words. Well, I don't said. either. I, I, <laughs> It's funny that Chris was the one that proposed this, and we were a little reluctant, and now we're all always into it when it plays, and Chris is just sitting there. Like a yes, that's cutout. fair. I, I think the problem is I'm just like in my mind, like watching Triple H walk down the ramp each time, gotcha. and I'm just like, this is awesome. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> Instead of actually uh, entertaining well, music, so to speak. We want to see maybe some more, uh, I don't know, animation from you. Yes. All right. Because you came up right. with it. I mean, it's your thing. So. Fair. 
It's fair. It's but point. speaking of it, look, you know what? Let's just play it again. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's get hey, to the next game. I can never get too much of it. Yes. Let's That's the point. Is I had to have the music I to start you. the game. So we're going to start the game. Uh, for those of you that don't know and aren't aware of how Around the Board works, uh, we have different segments, four of them. They're each hosted by one of us. Uh, points will be awarded throughout the uh, the uh, the show, and whoever has the most points at the end will get to uh, uh, bloviate about whatever they like. Um, first up in our first segment, uh, I believe that goes to Mr. John Theisman, right? Yes, that is correct. And wow, what a segment it is. Let me tell you. Um, we're going to talk about a little bit of a... In this segment, we're going to talk about a little game called Ark Nova. You might have heard of it. Little? You might have heard of it a little bit, unless you've been living under a rock or oh, something. Oh, probably heard of this game. Is this the one with God's <laughs> Judgment? Yeah. Uh, no, that's, the that's Ark Nova. Oh. That's Fertility Ark Nova. and the Death Penalty. That was yeah. that's correct also as well. Uh, this has those same features, but a little different twist on it. But oh. no, Ark Nova, uh, for those of you who may not know much about it, it's a fairly long game. It's a lot in the vein of Terraforming Mars. People have called it the Terraforming Mars Killer because now it's the hotness. And I mean, you, you know, you can't compare with that. But it's card driven like Terraforming Mars, but instead of literally Terraforming Mars, you are producing a zoo. And you come, you get your own board with the landscape to place your zoo on. You have to place enclosures for your animals. You have to get animal cards. You have to pay to put the animals into the enclosures. And they all come with bonuses. And it's kind of cool. There's two different tracks that go around the board. One of them is ticket sales because the better and bigger and cooler the animals are, the more tickets they're going to sell and the more income you're going to get. And then on the other side, the other goal of zoos is conservation. So there's a conservation track, which as you go up on the conservation track, it gets stronger and stronger and the spaces become bigger and it's easier and quicker to move. So basically the game ends. What is what like Rajas the Ganja style when these two tracks pass each other. So that your idea is you want to pass those two tracks, your tickets and your conservation. So you want to have not a balance of the two, but you want to have in the meet at some point in the game and whoever gets the furthest past that triggers the end of the game. Everybody else gets a turn and whoever gets the furthest past where there's meat wins the game. If that makes sense. I hope that makes sense. I hope I explained that well enough. Where there's meat. It's very card driven. Uh, there's a long tableau of cards in a market that you can take from and you get to take what four cards out of eight that you're dealt at the beginning and boom, you're on your way. Uh, we've all played it. We've all played it recently, and we're all going to give our review of it somewhat. And Chris, I believe you are first. Why, thank you. So <laughs> you're already got a time. got the line. Fantastic. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, okay, like you said, like, correct. Everyone's kind of comparing it to Terraform Mars, and there's a lot of good reasons for that. Um I, I gotta admit, I, I kind of get the same feeling. All those feels, it, it really is the same, but the, the defining difference for me is how you acquire the cards and how you acquire the cards and the payoff of the cards. So, uh, yes, mechanics and all this stuff and the mental gymnastics we do in games are very important. That's part of the reason I play the games. But th that fun factor is still a thing, right? And so part of fun is gratification. So... With, with Terraforming Mars, you draft the cards, and it's more, you can kind of build something a little easier because of it, which is which is then gratifying. Now, I'm also not saying I like games that are easy, because that's easy gratification. That's not <laughs> that's quite the opposite, as we know. But there is something to be said for that alone. 
then with the cards in Terraform Mars, when you play them and you get your little combo thing going off, it it yields real results. While with with Arc Nova, it's so hard to get the cards because you get the little tableau that John was talking about, and you're just kind of limited to what comes out. And if it comes out in a bad order, you're just kind of sunk. But it, with the drafting, the way it works, it's a little easier to make sure that you get what you're trying to work for and you're never kind of like stopped. And so and then even also with Arc Nova, it's like, cool, I did this, worked on this combo kind of thing for 30, 40 minutes in real life. And I did it all the things and I get two points. And it's just it's <laughs> the gratification is just not there. So um, I played it. It was fine. But again, already got Terraform Mars, would just rather go back to it. Feels like more replayability. It's the one for me. What you got, Andy? Well, Chris, uh, I actually agree with a lot of what you had to say there. Um, I will say there was one difference, though, that I disagree with. You know, there is a uh, there is a uh, uh, out in the main area. There's six cards, I believe, you can draw from, and there's the pile. There are ways to go through that pile and draw random cards to get to cards. So it's it's not impossible to get through the deck. In fact, we uh, we got through a pretty good chunk of cards when I played my my first and only game so far. Um, I will say my biggest problem with it, honestly, is that, uh, like you, I do think it has some similarities to Terraforming Mars. And here's here's one I don't like. I don't want to learn all the new iconography again. I mean, I've played so many games where you have to have this this unique iconography. I, Terraforming Mars, Race for the Galaxy come to mind. And here's another one, Arc Nova, where it's like, ah, my brain's hurting, and I'm confused, and I'm old, and I'm, I'm, I'm losing my mind. And maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just getting old. But uh, it, it was fine. It was good. There were some problems with it, though. The biggest problem for me, honestly, is it was too long. It, I think it lasted longer than Terraforming Mars, at least at uh, the four players I played it at, um, which Terraforming Mars at five players can really drag, and it's pretty ugh, just... You know, it just doesn't play well. And so that's kind of how I felt about Arc Nova on my first play. Now, I will say that when we played, two of us had never played before. Uh, one person had only played one other time. So there was that. There's a bit of a learning curve there. Um, other things that uh, that I, I, I thought about uh, the game, <laughs> here's, here's a funny one. So Terraforming Mars, well known for having uh, bad art, right? Well, it's because they mixed clip art uh, or, or stock photos on their cards with original art work that they did. And most people I talk to agree that the original artwork is actually uh, not bad. It's the uh, the stock photos that are a little bit uh, rough. Well, um, in, in Arc Nova, they chose to go the stock photo route for everything. So I'm glad they did had consistency, but they chose the wrong one. The, the, the stock photos are kind of cheesy. So there you go. That's me. Uh, Daniel, you. Yeah, so one of my favorite parts of Arc Nova is the how you choose your action. I think it's a really cool idea that you have these five cards that are laid out over a time frame, and every time you do the action, you move it to the end. It feels like you're paying a cost to do this action, but the cost is just time in the game, and I think that's a really unique mechanic. Now, I know uh, Civilization A New Dawn, apparently uh, Arc Nova got that mechanic from there, but it still feels really fresh and really exciting. I love this idea of fulfilling an action without technically paying the resources, and that's what it feels like you're doing. Um, but anyways, I, I kind of jumped right into it, but I actually really enjoyed this game. I don't think... It quite lived up to the hype that, you know, let's let's all admit it. It was Tom Vassell who hyped it up so much. I don't feel like Ooh. it was, like, the greatest game, but I do really like it's a very solid game. And in a year where I'm trying to play my entire collection, I've already played it five or six times, and it's a three-hour game. 
So I do really enjoy it. I love the sell, the the sense of accomplishment in the game. When you're done, uh, even if you've played a poor game, you have a zoo that is filled with enclosures, filled with animals. You get to look over to the side and see all the entertaining things that you have inside your zoo. And I think it's a really fulfilling and satisfying end game in that regard. I do feel like the end game is also super challenging because of that crossing mechanic that was first by me noticed was um, in Rogers of the Gadget, Rogers of the Ganges. That one put some really interesting tension at the end. And when you kind of gives you that when do you want to finally strike essentially because you don't want to cross just a little bit you want to be able to cross a lot so i do also like that end game tension so it's a good game really enjoy it what about you john well i i think the perfect game of this type has yet to be made because i think while i i prefer it to terraforming mars first of all let me say that and a big reason is because of those action selection cards that you speak of because you get I'm the only one who gets booed because you get you get five action selection cards. So those are the five actions you can do on your turn. Well, you can do one of them. And what was really awesome about it was the first game I played. The action I really wanted to do was already taken by somebody, and it was it was to make an association with a country, and you can, only one person can do it that whole round. So it's like, okay, I really want to do that to do you know this this and this, but. You also can look at, at your actions get more powerful the higher up they get. So really by default, it's like, well, if I don't have anything better to do, if I'm biting some time, I can get a powerful action on whatever is on number five. And that's my most powerful action right now. So it kind of gives you a focus. It's like, well, I can do that. Well, if I do that, then I can do A, B. And so it kind of helps you, you know, keep your, you got kind of fluid targets you can try to hit. Because it's like, whatever I wanted to do, I'm going to have to wait till next round now because somebody took that option. So... I like that. I like how it focuses you with those. And I like how you can upgrade those. And I like how you can only upgrade four of them at the most throughout the whole game. So you have to decide which ones you're going to upgrade. And when you're like, well, to do this, I have to upgrade that. But it's like, well, if I upgrade that, that means I'm never upgrading this. Do I really want to do that? So I, I really like those choices. And that I think that makes it superior to terraforming Mars. What hurts it, in my opinion, is the whole crossing path thing. I, to me, that is not satisfying for an end of a game i just really don't think it is i would rather there was something else that triggered end game and then otherwise it's well i know i'm in third place you know it's like is there really any you know it's getting towards the end of the game is there really anything i can do because he's going to cross in two turns i'm going to get close and that's you already know you're not going to win so to me that was that's that's where terraforming mars has the advantage is the end game scoring and such like that that you can be piling up some end game points nobody knows about and i think i ended in perfect timing that's all i've got oh to yeah say perfect <laughs> yeah you didn't go over at all so yeah. the gong i, he... I think means that that game is over any final thoughts gentlemen final thoughts there well my final thought is that john had the buzzer and the gong cross pass yes <laughs> he did <laughs> the cross pass. Wins. so he wins yes that means i win exactly. uh, excellent <laughs> now i just wanted to know if this game was shorter you said it was shorter than terraforming Mar or longer than terraforming mars was it shorter than that. your six-hour game of <laughs> underwater cities, though? Wow! Just, just no, comment. Yeah. no comment. <laughs> no comment. <That> was personal. <laughs> I want to say my last game of it. I was... feel like he's personally attacking me. So I, I do last... want to say this about the art because I felt like this has been brought up a couple times that the clip art. I you normally I would prefer like hand-drawn art, like almost any day of the week. But the clip art for these 
animals I, I feel like it really works like i don't i never looked at it and thought it looked ugly because like the clip art it's animals it's like these really pretty pictures yeah. of these you know animals i don't see what else are you gonna I use i feel like yeah. that's a valid art argument for this game in my opinion so. It, I, so i i guess i agree with the animals the animals are fine and which are a majority of the cards but there are a lot of other cards that have like scientists and stuff and it's just the stereotypical random guy in a lab coat and it's just eh, whatever yeah. <laughs> all right um I will say that uh, I, we played with four players last time, and two had never played it before. And with the teach, it was three hours on the dot. So it Who can be teacher? played a little quicker. That was Daniel Connors. I'm getting pretty good at teaching that game. It's a pretty hefty one. Yes. But, uh, I knew you... you would do better than me. That's why I was like, let Daniel teach yeah. it. I'm not kidding. Well, honestly, <laughs> it's, it's a strength to the game, too, because once it, it plays so uh, logically, I think, and with those mm-hmm. five action cards, all you have to do is explain those five. It's a really easy yep. to teach because you just go one at a time explaining those and then how those like evolve mm-hmm. or flip. And then you've explained in the whole game. I think it naturally I, has a yeah. really good explanation built into it. So I'd yeah, say it's overall, probably an easier teach than Terraforming Mars, don't you think? I think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. so. And oh, oh, I know what I want to say. Andy, you said the iconography was too much. It's literally pictures of animals. A That's green too monkey, much for me. A, green, a, a red predator. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what these mean. <laughs> green monkey? We're not playing. This isn't uh, Temple of the Lost Hidden Doom, whatever. Remember that Nickelodeon show? What Legends was it? Uh, of the Hidden Temple. That's it. Olmec, tell them what they've won. <laughs> anyway. All right. Uh, well, that was a let's great move on to the next segment. segment. Let us know <laughs> what you. you guys think of Ark Nova down in the comments. Um, is it a game that has lived up to the hype for you? Or did it uh, just fall short of its glory? And does it need its own Ares expedition? <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. Chris, I'd what do you that. got for us in this next game? All right. So somehow <laughs> I've been I've been chosen to do this segment. Hey, Chris, so... only Nixon could go to China. <laughs> <laughs> so... The question is, we're talking about the the thing uh, that we all run into, theoretically, of chasing the hotness that is game, right? Like, it, is it is it real, actual excitement that you have for the game? Are you being sucked into the community hive mind? Like, wh- what's, the, what's the reason we get so excited about this? Is this a, a whole other thing just about humanity as a whole, that we're always more excited about the thing we don't have than the thing we do have? uh let's uh let's find out what uh andy what you got well uh i i think i like where you're going with that because i think this is a bigger problem about the consumerism and capitalism in the united states and (laughs) i'm actually not going to go down that path what i'm going to say though (laughs) is that the hotness has burned me too many times that's why i I am trying to avoid chasing the hotness i've been burned i've been burned by the heat uh for instance I didn't go to Gen Con this year. I, I go to, I've been to Gen Con like five times now in the last mm, seven years. So I've gone quite a bit. Uh, I'm kind of glad I didn't go because I didn't get tempted to buy what everyone is raving about before playing it. And, you know, what I really want to do is I want the discipline to go to a con like that, Gen Con or Origins or, or whatever, BGG Con. I want to go there and I want to play the demos of the games and then decide whether it's worth owning. Now, we live in a society where everybody wants it now, 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 get it now. There's only so many. There's only 20 copies. Hurry, run, run. And I get sucked into that. And I, it's just, it's disgusting. 
It's disgusting. And again, I attribute my uh, my temptation in this area to Daniel Connors. So I just wanted to slam him and give him a chance to respond. Go. All right. Well, uh, thanks for uh, passing your inadequacies on to me again. I, I appreciate I, I will gladly take that mantle. Uh, so, yeah, the chasing hotness. I I have an unfair reputation of the guy who gets all the new games. It's totally valid. I actually don't. Our friend Kelly, now she is the hotness chaser, and I don't think any of you guys would disagree with that. Her entire yeah. collection is a bunch of unopened games that came out tomorrow, and uh, she'll take and it'll take two years for her to get those played as well. But I, I do feel like chasing the hotness is a little... It's kind of valid in this hobby. And and if, in most cases in, in life, I would say if something's super hyped, if something uh, is talked about a lot, hold off a little bit. But the reason that the board games is a little bit different is because they do, this is such a small hobby that you really do have a small window to get these games. Or you might have to wait like a year or two years to for a reprint. And that's if it even comes. I know there's the whole Vassal Law, for those of you guys who don't know it, it's any great game will get reprinted, and now he's uh, changing it to where even okay games are getting reprinted, and that's probably true, but you're going to have to wait a long time, and yes, there is plenty of games to play in the meantime, and even if you miss the hotness, you can always grab one of the old ones uh, that came out that you ha- that you missed, but I don't know. There's something about being in that community, talking about the game that just came out and knowing and being involved in that conversation. It's really hard to get involved in a conversation with a game that came out 20 years ago, unless you belong to like the Cosmic Encounter fan fan club or whatever. So beyond that, I think it's a really legitimate, only in this hobby that I'm aware of, that I would be okay with chasing hotness and being okay with playing it. And also one last thing, I know the buzzer just went off. Games are really easy to resell, especially when they're hot. So you're really not gambling a lot. And actually, you might inflate the price a little bit because you might get a game that you didn't like, but it's reselling for an extra 50 bucks. So, I mean, you could be that guy and make some profit. I I mean, just say. I got to call foul here. I got to call foul because I don't like cheaters during games, okay? And you referenced Cosmic Encounter, which I just happen to know is the judge's favorite game. Oh. <laughs> Give well, me a point for that, Randy. Yeah. Can we rewind it and, and see when that six point went up? I do agree with Andy. I think it happened the moment he heard Cosmic. He's like, up. Oh. Yeah. I mean, maybe, but that's not on me. And that's all I got to say. Just... <laughs> so what about you, John? What do you have to say about Chase and the Hotness? What's, what's this topic again? Cosmic Encounter, is it the best game ever? Is that it the topic? No, actually, as I look around in my collection, as I think about what drives me as a board gamer and what kind of games I get, I do get obsessed with having to get a certain game, but it's not always the hotness. Uh, like Ark Nova is like one of the hotness right now. I'm not going to buy Ark Nova. It's not just because Daniel owns it. It's not, it's just not a game that I feel like I'm going to need in my collection. For me, it's, it's something that's going to have to get a lot of plays and it's going to have to be a theme that I really like. And so I think I'll play Ark Nova enough with other people owning it. It's not really a big deal to me. To be honest, there was a game that just came on Board Game Group I saw somebody talk about earlier called Walking in Burano, which I had never heard of before. And it came out in like 2018. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, this game looks really cool. I might have to get that. That's the kind of thing. That's what I obsess over. It'll be a thing like that where it's like, I've never heard of this game. What What do you do with this game? I, I really need to get that. You know, that's that's kind of what really drives me. A lot of times it is the hotness. I'm looking over 10 Penny Parks, Canvas with the expansion, all these things that I did get like 
early on or even ahead of the release and but if i play them then that's fine and those that's what those are those i try to get the hotness that i know i'm gonna like is is the way i the way i handle the hotness i don't just chase anything that's hot but the hotness that you know you're gonna play why not get it that's what i say i chase anything that's hot i didn't want to go there (laughs) (laughs) So that's the way. That's the way Chris interpreted this segment originally. That's right. <laughs> we're all married men here, doggone. Slightly it. different than what we're saying on the on on air. But uh, all right. So I'm sorry, future sponsors. What I'm about to say <laughs> is not good for you, and I understand it. It's good for the community and good for the uh, the industry for me to tell you, yes, get the new hotness, get the, the newest game, that's all that stuff, but it's not true. You don't need to always be part of the hip crowd that Daniel's trying to be part of. You can sit in your basement with your other grognard brothers and play the same game 700 times in a row. If it's a good game, just keep playing it. That's all that matters. Um, uh, a perfect example, uh, a few, like, a m- number of years ago, like, there's, I guess a decent amount of reviewers probably remember this. I think it was NBC. They, their summer marketing scheme was, because back in the day, and I guess maybe today, but no one watches Tech Horse TV as far as I know, their thing was, obviously, the regular season is during the school year, so to speak, and during summer, they show reruns. And they're like, on Thursday is this show, and it's a rerun. But if you haven't seen it, it's new to you. And that's the case. It doesn't matter if you've played, if it's brand new actually, or it's 40 years old. If you've never played it, it's new to you and it can be just as fun. For example, personally, I played a game called Kashgar. I think Kashdar, I can't, I can't pronounce it. It's very hard to explain to, to Ashbar. verbalize, but <laughs> it's from like 2012. I played it for the first time a couple of weeks ago. That game was nuts. I loved it. It was fantastic. It had some like kind of Dominion vibes. Um, and I don't know. It's hard to explain. Look it up. Seriously. It's fantastic. But again, it, it encompasses my point. It doesn't matter if it's brand new, came out 2022, whatever it is, or if it came out 12 years ago. It, it, it ten years ago, technically, it just doesn't matter. Like if it's it's still new to you, it's still exciting. That 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 excitement of the new can happen if it's brand new or otherwise. So again, I'm sorry, future sponsors, that I'm telling people to not buy your games, but I'm telling them not to play the ones they have. No need for the hotness. Yep. So, wow. So you can I like that you're five percent of us. I like that your uh, philosophy on gaming is based off of a defunct television model Uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's fair fair. so it's gonna have to happen at some point but we will come up with some old man chris music that's like old timey or something it's like Like it'll be something and it will come up yeah yeah so yeah seriously though if anybody is listening to this that's trying to take us serious or whatever don't don't you don't have to rush out and buy everything. Like, be the person, slam on the brakes. That's fine, but it is also a lot of fun to buy the newest game. So it, it I don't is. throw shame on anybody who's doing this stuff. Like some people I know. <laughs> I don't, don't want to contradict you, Daniel. I don't want to contradict you, but I do think that people do need to go out and buy this game that is now one of our sponsors. Howdy, folks. I'm going to tell you a story about how the world got turned upside down. 
It all started when a dadgum meteor done plumb hit the moon so hard it changed its doggone orbit. The axis of the planet got all off, and then while the oceans and lakes and rivers and everything else was all stirred up. Before you knowed it, the wildlife was a-changing. Fish in particular got bigger, smarter, and hungrier. They ate all them city folk, but a few of us backwoods preppers are still fighting. In Axis and Walleyes, you play as hillbillies fighting giant mutant fish on the front lines while praying to God that the axis of the earth will self-correct. Because if it doesn't, we may all be swimming with the fishes. Axis and Walleyes, coming soon to Start Kicker. And we're back. Let's hope that uh, is a successful Kickstarter that we just saw there. But uh, now we're going into comments from you, our viewers. If you'd ever like to be mentioned on Around the Board, just leave a comment down below. And if we piques our interest, then uh, you may make it on the show. So we have this comment that was from a past show. I think it was our was our first show that we talked about is old versus new games, which is better, which yep. seems to be a common thing with Chris. It, it, no matter what the topic is, it turns into old versus new, basically. It's, when it's it gets, not so, un- untrue. Or he ignores the topic point. altogether and talks about something else. But <laughs> at least we didn't get into movies yet instead of the topic. But anyway. This comment is from Cinepin13 on YouTube. Dear Around the Board, I'm not really sure any of you are qualified to weigh in on this old versus new discussion. Old games like Catan? That's where you go? Come on now, I wanted at least one of you to mention Risk, Access and Allies, Junta, Solar Quest, Buck Rogers in the 25th century. I have played and owned all of these, by the way, so come play some true old games and redo this segment, you youngsters. I kind of like being called a youngster, but other than that, what do you guys think? Is that Should we maybe do another segment on uh, old versus new and maybe go to like really, really old versus maybe not quite so old? I don't know. What do you guys think? I think uh, I'd like to talk about chess and go. And hey, those are some old games. Yeah. Man, now yeah. you're talking. So yeah. we, we, we like to talk about good games on this show. So I don't know if any of those na- things that you just read off qualify. So that, that yeah, already is just pretty good. Them. Access versus allies? I, mean, I, don't know, I heard access and walleyes is much better. That's what I've heard. <laughs> hey, let's get to segment number three. What do you say? Why don't we? Why don't we? <laughs> I think uh, I think that's you, Andy. What do you got for us? Oh, that is. Tell- that's right. Yeah. What, wait, what? Go, 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 go. go, go. Uh, Ignore me. Nope. Yep. Hold still. Hold still. Hold still. Yeah. Random task. Show them what you do. Yeah, it's a new segment where I give a random task to everybody here at the uh, uh, the Around the Board board. And uh, uh, the random task today is going to be to tell me what your favorite uh, racing game is that's in your collection. It has to be in your collection. You have to own it. And what you uh, think is the best racing game that you own and why. And uh, we're going to award points based on that. Daniel, let's start with you. All right. Am I telling you or am I telling our producer, Randy? Well, you can sell it to both of us. Okay. Well, Randy gives the points, so I tell it to that? Randy. So my tell it favorite... to me, and Randy will give you the points. All right. My favorite Most racing of all, you should game... tell it to the viewers. Can Ooh. I talk now? You see the square? <laughs> it's me. It's me. All right. <laughs> my my favorite racing game is Snow Tails. This really exciting game is about dog sledding, and it has a really um, cool... Well, it's upside down. It has a really cool map setup. It's a variable uh, track. Every time you play, it can be completely different. The game tells you about 10 different setups, which is pretty exciting. Also, you have to manage how 
uh, well your dogs are pulling the sled and if you tire them out or run them into cliffs or into trees they will blow up this is the only game I know that will let your dogs blow up so you do <laughs> need to make sure that that doesn't happen but this is one of my uh, favorite racing games the the mechanic of it is actually comparing two cards uh, like the, do- the d- one dog has like let's say he has a five the other dog has a four and your brake has a three so you add four plus th- five minus three and that's how many spaces you go forward which is uh, already confused six you go six spaces forward anyways it's a really fun uh racing game that has math as well so anyways there you go exploding dogs or uh, what i like to call uh, snow tails uh by the way daniel whenever i hear you mention that game it is a fun game yeah. it always makes me think of this we sing it all the time <laughs> nice true that's what I do when I plow through the trees. Woo-hoo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, John, what do you? What game did you bring? Well, I don't have a lot of racing games in my collection because it's not my favorite genre. But I think I've got one that nails the spirit of this competition today, and it's by a known designer, Martin Wallace. I know that impresses a lot of you. And it's about the space race, and it's Rocket Men, and this is Rocket quite Man. the game. You, it's a deck builder where you're using your deck to plan a mission, basically, and there's different missions you can plan, so it's a race to get to the orbit, it's a race to get to the moon, and it's a race to get to Mars. And when you get there, you get these cool little coins to get you points at the end of the game. And so it's a, kind of a push-your-luck game as well because you're going through your deck trying to complete these missions, and if it looks like you're not going to make it, it's better to shut it down or else if you keep going, it blows up everything and you have to start all over. So it's kind of realistic that way as far as a real space race. Plus, it comes with this really cool little rocket miniature to chart your progress along each mission. And look, it's got, it even comes off the little base. So like, oh, yeah, nice. it's really cool. nice. yeah, it's pretty neat. So that alone makes it is going to make it the best game in this in this competition. Look at this. I'm already done. And I've already talked about an amazing game. So there you go. <laughs> You're getting a little full of yourself there, John. But I will tell you this. Uh, whenever it's I want to hear something unique, it comes from you because you have uh, some of the games I've never heard of sometimes. I'm like, well, what is that? But That's Martin right. Wallace, yeah, it's a yeah. F- fantastic designer. You said, a, you said a racing game, but I heard deck building and pressure luck. Nothing about racing in that. You didn't hear space race and race to the moon. You didn't hear that. Well, I Mm -hmm. I heard I heard the theme. I don't know if I heard the mechanic though. That's that's true. We'll let we'll let the the judge decide. Well, it truly is a race to each one in this game. Okay. Hmm. We will let the great and only one person gets that coin when you get to each level. I feel like since we can't end John's segment without this, we should do it now. <laughs> He's the only one that gets that. So there you go. You got a I've special soundtrack. Good job, John. Obligatory right. boo. <laughs> Chris, how about you? All right, guys. So I have Formula Day. That's right. What? The old man Formula what? D. For wow. those of you that are over that, the age of ten. Is that really what Formula D is called? Correct. It's it's the new like re implemented new edition, whatever you call it. Yeah, Formula D originally was Formula Day. And um yeah i mean if you've played formula day or uh it's it's really the same game um it is a bit of pressure luck but it's it's um it's a mitigated pressure luck of trying to make sure you uh increase your um your engine the higher you go up your you know increase your kind of uh speed you roll a higher die you can move more spaces but the counteract that is you have to stop a certain amount of times in each turn so you're kind of always like going up and going down and kind of uh, managing it and um i really like it 
Um, had it for a number of years, and now because of it, it's story time with Chris. Oh, this baby. Late so this game I had been wanting. Uh, this game this was back in when I was in college, so uh, right out of college, so it'd been like right out of 2008 to so, yeah 2008 2009 kind of thing. And I'd been wanting this game for a number of years though, and it finally gone back into production and got printed. I pre-ordered at my local uh, family lo- uh, friendly local game store. And it finally came in, went to go buy, pick it up, picked it up, super excited, on Cloud9. I come home, open it up, look at the components, super excited. But I don't get to play it that night. And my roommate that was going to a gaming thing with with his uh, girlfriend and some other people uh, after church the next day, and he was like, can I take it and play it? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm an old man, right? So I'm very uh, hesitant on like loaning stuff out to people because I assume those little children are going to break it with their grubby little big Cheeto fingers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't want to give it away, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to show Grace and give it away or let him borrow it. So he takes it, comes back a few hours later, and he opens the door, and I can tell a look on his face is something's <laughs> wrong. <laughs> And and he comes over. He's like, "Hey, man, uh, I'm just gonna be straight with you. I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I um, I opened the game and uh, kind of started setting up. And then I had to go in the other room and take care of some stuff. And I came back and a little while later, and the board was ripped in half. <laughs> oh. And I was just like, <sighs> exactly, exactly. And I just kind of took it in stride. I was just kind of like." All right. I mean, it is what it is. It's fine. Um, but the funny part about this story is uh, a couple of years later, he marries this girl, uh, the, gr- the girlfriend at the time, and uh, they have been together ever since. Uh, very good friend of mine named Ben Allen. Well, I found out about th- three, four years ago when we got together with them. Uh, uh, we met, met them and had dinner with them and stuff like that. He lives up in Michigan, but he was in town for the time. And she finally fessed up that it was her she's the one that ripped the board in two because she opened it wrong oh and then she opened it wrong it was just all at once because the board's like in like eight panels and it it, it's pretty heavy so like i understand like she just started the wrong spot and like tried to do it kind of quickly and because of the weight and everything it just (laughs) like just gone immediately so uh yeah all right, I'm uh, gonna. That's, that's my in post production. I'm gonna give you some good old uh, story time with Chris music. It's gonna happen. There you yeah! go. <laughs> uh, Chris, I had something similar to that happen to a brand new game of mine. Uh, I'd been looking for this game, Penny Press, for a long time when I'd seen a review of it, mm-hmm. and uh, finally found it like really cheap online. So got it in. I'm like, first time I got it, I'm like, oh, the board's a little bit, you know. St- Sticking up a little, a little bit warped. I just need to bend it. Rip the whole thing goes in. It. No, <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. Oh, Luckily, man. I was able to fix it on the reverse side with some black duct tape, and you really can't tell now. But wow, that, I was freaking out when it happened. I'm like, I mean, because it can happen so quick. It's just like I'm barely, you know, giving it a little bit of. Oh yeah. man, that's that's frustrating. Andy, do but, you have yeah, a board ripping story? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that sorry, I was. About? Yes. Yeah, I think it, it was about board ripping, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm starting to fall asleep there. I apologize, again. gents. Uh, what are we that's doing what all podcast? the skaters do. They do oh, the board ripping. Right. Board, yeah. No, mine is going to be a, a racing game, which is what the topic is supposed to be. <laughs> oh, um, that's right. Racing, racing games. games. Yes. I talked about it. Well, at one point, at one point you did. Yes. Um, 
So I could have easily picked uh, probably a fun runner-up, which is down fours. I could have picked that. That's a fun racing game that the kids love, and it's, it's a lot of fun. I've never had a bad time playing it. But my favorite racing game is a game you wouldn't think of as a racing game, but that's exactly what it is. It was mentioned earlier on the show, Raja of the Ganges. And it is a fun, 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 fun game. It's actually in my top three games uh, that I own, which is saying quite a lot since I own about uh, 250 games. Um it is. It has to be described as a racing game, though. Every time I uh, play it with somebody, I have to tell them it's a racing game because otherwise they're going to just treat it as a normal uh, worker placement engine builder and think, oh, we got plenty of time to get this engine going. No, 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 no. It Just like we talked about in Ark Nova earlier, once the uh, the two paths cross, uh, the game comes to an end, and the two paths are going to be uh, fame, I believe, and money. And the interesting thing about Raja the Ganges is on, on the, uh, the money track, it goes up and down the money track, up and down, up and down based on no, that didn't really work we're aware what up and down <laughs> i know what up and down is okay uh based on uh how much money you spend and, and and whatnot so it's it's just a great game it's it's just it i would play this game almost any day of the week anytime somebody asked me to play it i just love it love it love it love it and it is a racing game so raja the ganges so i guess with that definition you, terraforming mars is also a racing game not terraforming yeah, mars definitely uh, ark nova ark nova is, ark nova a racing is. Game? yep yeah that's what it sounds yeah, like I gotta, to me all right, and, I gotta and, say, Andy, honestly, for someone that, someone that, for someone that picked the game category, <laughs> to come at us with Rogers of the Ganges, and then boo me for Rocket Man for the space race, <laughs> I gotta tell you, that's that's pretty weak. Guys, I need to update. I need to update mine. My favorite racing game is <laughs> Ark Nova. Ark Nova. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so I gotta admit, though, I'm gonna defend Andy here, and that's because of personal experience. I played Raja the Ganges with Andy and Ryan, and Andy was teaching the game, and he was just like, listen, guys, this is a racing game, because when these two things meet, the game's going to be over. And just like he said, yeah, you think it's a worker placement, you think it's engine building, but it, it's a race, because when this when you get to there, the game's over. And we're like, oh, yeah, 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 we got it, we got it again. Yeah. We got not that we didn't believe him but we were like mm. we just assumed there'd be more time you know what i'm saying yeah and so like we're, we're doing the engine thing or whatever and we're just kind of having a good time talking to each other and then all of a sudden we look down and he's like all right well that's the game we're like yeah <laughs> okay um that game ended uh 12 13 yeah. to 76 nice. or something like that it was i it gotta was, say it was real bad <laughs> i gotta say compared to arc nova for some reason, it's always more obvious in Ark Nova that that's what you're doing. And Raja's the Ganges, I get so distracted in what I'm doing and what I'm trying to produce and what I'm trying to turns I'm trying to have. And then it's like, I could say, it's like, wait a minute, they're about to cross. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Pay no attention to that. You have to make a lot of your decisions in Raja of the Ganges based on that. If you've got the leeway um, because you don't feel like anybody's got their engine going, really, you can be a little bit more uh, calculated in how do you build your engine. Yeah. However, if it's if it's a race, if it's on, you, you got to just make the the quick. Race. You yeah. got a race. Oh, I believe it. I believe All right. It. I don't. I still wouldn't call it a racing game, but Guys, I, believe I it. think we need to hear from our judge here. Who does our judge think the best racing game is? Can we get a drum ro roll, Andy? Ah, uh, yes, we can. Sorry. <laughs> oh, must <laughs> not be expecting this. to win. Chris, oh, what? This is. Woo! He got I, two see, points. I called even. that one. I called that one. Again, I, I call foul. People are picking games that Randy loves. And uh, I knew that for Maybe me. Maybe games that go in the category. 
Well, that too. Uh, but Chris, <laughs> one quick actual question. car on the front. Yeah. <laughs> but Chris, is so is regular, like Formula D, the sport, really Formula Day? Or is that just that game is called Formula Day? Uh, well, I think it's Formula One, actually, is the actual sport. But Oh, but okay. Yeah. So there is no Formula D. Right. Just no, Formula that's one. just one. Okay. Like I, the I know you want to have a race like fan. Like Formula that D is like, a lie. <laughs> Isn't Formula D the uh, stuff cough the, medicine. the babies drink? It's the cough medicine. Formula 44D. All right. It's like it's, <laughs> well, it's got a stock everywhere. Isn't nice. It? What's your, let us know what your favorite racing game is. Uh, because if this was a race, we would have lost because this was the longest segment we've ever recorded. Yes. So let's move on to our next one, which is going to be do. hosted by me. And our next segment is game art. How important is art in a game to you? As the years have went by, every single year, the art just gets better and better and better. I think if you look at a, at the most average game from 2016, it looks like garbage compared to the games that are coming out today if you just you know uh, measure the most average. So with this increase in, uh, in, 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 in uh, this uh, appeal, appeal um, we, I want to know how does this affect you guys and your enjoyment of this hobby and of these games? So does it uh, add anything to it, or does it not matter at all? I kind of have a feeling I know what some of you are going to say, but let's go ahead and start with John. Thank you, Daniel. And let me just say that anyone who thinks that art doesn't matter is fooling themselves. It may not matter to you, but it matters a heck of a lot to the success of a game. And I'll just bring out games like, okay, let's let's talk about uh, Azul. Azul is a fine game, and a lot of people love Azul. If it was not this beautiful production and this amazing artwork involved in the game, nobody would have looked at it twice. This would not have been a game that took the world by storm for years and had all these sequels to it. There's no way. Then the, the next ones they make even prettier. You know what I'm saying? It's so, and then Sagrada, the same thing. If you don't have these beautiful dice, this beautiful artwork, it's 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 not going to sell us. Nobody's going to care if there's a good game in there. And the same goes down to every other game. Like I was saying, one of the new games that I got 10 penny parks that I was mentioning earlier is one of the quote unquote new hotnesses I get. One of the big things about it is how true they were with the artwork and how immersive it is and how man, this really looks like you're building in a theme park, everything about it. And, and if it was just, you know, more, you know, randomized looking abstract crud, then I can play chess. I don't really need, I don't really need that. So, yeah, is art important? Art is very important. Production is very important. And if it's, for one thing, it's important to the enjoyment of the game, and it's very important for the sales of the game. It doesn't doesn't necessarily need an IP. I've said before, I'm a big fan of IP games, but, and that doesn't mean games were IP, Andy, but, <laughs> but if, even with, regardless of an IP, it needs good artwork. It needs something to, to pull you in because there's too much competition out there otherwise. Chris, yeah, but, debate me on that, buddy. Well, uh, hold on. I, th I think you're you're right, but I think I don't want to defend Azul. I know there's a lot of haters of Azul out there. I don't know. Maybe it's the whole anti, the fact that it's new. I, to this day, really enjoy Azul. And I think even if it didn't have the chunky tiles, it still would be this great, tight game. So while your points mm -hmm. are valid, John, uh, I take offense with Azul. Uh, I didn't say it wouldn't it be a good game still. It would still be a good game. It wouldn't be successful. It wouldn't have been this game that took everything by storm because people look at it and say, no, I ain't playing that. Eh, what? I'll just agree with both of you. Checkers. Say it's not I have checkers. Game. Why would I play this? 
so yeah, John, picking back off yours, I, I will agree about about Azul. It's a good game. It's a fine game. But yes, if if instead of the nice clacky, you know, uh, nice tiles like in Hive or you know, like if it wasn't that, if it was just cardboard shits that we have in all these other games, I don't disagree that the game wouldn't be the same. And and mm-hmm. and um, yeah, that's it's a great point. Uh, um, but not enough for me to give you one of my points. So <laughs> um, maybe someday I'll do that. Uh, there you go. But okay, so even though it's this seems like an obvious, I know what Chris is going to say situation. Mm-hmm. I am going to admit to the truth of when I am at a store and I'm looking through the games, and it's a game that I'm not aware of or don't do too much about. Yes, the art does make a difference if you're going to put your hand out and pull it off the off the rack. It just it is. There's no way around it. It's the truth. Okay. But does that really make that much of a difference that the game is good or not? No, in my opinion. The, the, the art can decide how good the game can be. And there's a lot of different ways, right? Like you could be a person that, you know, you can't just look at a terrible board, the very dry, washed out, like, oh man, what's a New York Zoo? I don't understand how that game does not get the hate that Ethnos and all these other old man games get because I don't know if it's because of the designer or what, but people are just like, Oh, this game's great, but it looks like it's literally been out in the sun for three days and it's it or three years. I mean, it looks so draw washed out. It's terrible. Um, but at the same time, again, art is very subjective as we know, like for example, People trash the 18xx series, and I understand why. It's very dry, it's very garish, but the point of that art is to make sure you can see everything very well and you can make the calculations you need to on the fly. I'll go back to talking about what I did the last episode in Gutenberg. The game was fine, I enjoyed it, it was good, we all kind of collectively like it. My problem with it was, it was hard for me to tell the difference between the victory points and the money. If they would add some color to the two different drawings, that would have helped a lot, but they didn't. They left it black and white, so to speak, and because of the iconography, it made it difficult. So, yes, I will I will, 100% art matters, but what that means is going to be different for every person and also depends on what you're, you know, what, what you're trying to accomplish with it. So, shocker of the world, I actually do care about art. <laughs> that is shocking. That what is you shocking. Got, Andy? <laughs> so, for me, you know, art is very subjective. What is art? Oh gosh, art is a, a fresh suns or a sun sunset. Sun, uh, <laughs> art is everywhere. Okay, and I think the real art in games is the design of the game, and therefore, uh, ah, I should have prepared for this segment. <laughs> <laughs> Just this one. <laughs> Just this one. No. <laughs> no, honestly, uh, in all in all seriousness, um, art. Yeah, I, I like things that are visually appealing, um, and 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 there are cool games with different miniatures and different uh, tactile things. I mean, I, I will say that yeah, one of the things that drew me to Azul was the uh, the uh, components, and I, I do like games that have better components. However, uh, just based on my uh, experience with such crappy games with good components. I, I don't really weigh that anymore. It's kind of like an added bonus. It's like, oh, okay, cool. This is a fun game, and it's got uh, cool components. 
great. That's fine. Um, but I don't just go in there and go look at, look at the components because I've been, again, burned, just like over the hotness. I've been burned too many times by games that like look like they have awesome miniatures and then play terrible. And so, I, and, and some of my, most of my favorite games have terrible art. I mean, I, I, we've talked about this before, but you know, the Stefan Feld, the Uwe Rosenberg, the, uh, some of those, uh, the art is not really that great, but boy, the games are amazing. All right. Well, right. I think art is very important in the game and i think it could be let me say first the mechanics of a game is the most important thing without the mechanics of the game it does completely fall apart because then it's just literally you bought a book cover and you open the book and there's nothing in there that's disappointing and uh that needs to be uh gauged when you go to get a game but Beyond that, art is the single most important thing about a game because there is no, there is thousands of games that come out every year and you have to be able to distinguish yourself from another game and why should I buy this game over that game? At this point in 2022, there is absolutely no reason that your game should not have the most quality, top-notch art in it. There is no longer an excuse to have a game that looks like this that was produced in the past five years no one even knows what this game is this is one of the best games out there it's one and definitely on my top 10 but some of you will never even play this game because it has this hideous looking troll that you can't tell this is literally the first time i realized it was a troll and it's because i'm looking at it this close and not a rock that is that's that's disturbing like that's not going to get uh anybody to buy your game but you get a game like this. I don't even know what this game is about. But this beautiful cover, I was like, okay, <laughs> I've heard some things about it. I need to I need to play this game. They said it's a good game. They said it's a heavy game. I like my heavy games. I think this is one that we're going to like. But I was like, this game, it won me over purely on that. Now we have Guild of Merchant Explorers. This Ooh, art, nice. again, back to nothing. If it wasn't for the rave reviews this game was getting, I never would have bought it. So is this a good game yet? I don't know. But you know what? It wouldn't be on Wait, that looks like nice art. If it yeah, it looks good. I was going to say, that looks great. What are you talking about? It's boring. It's boring. Oh, okay. You're boring. Okay. <laughs> this one is subjective. But anyways, uh, I, I can go either way on that one. But the point is, uh, there is no can. longer any excuse to have your games look like this with just a dude on the cover. Dudes on the cover... It's retired. It's done. We need to have a revolution of amazing arts, and that includes getting rid of dudes on a cover. All right, Dude, people of revolution. Anyways, the, the, the cover is actually kind of cool. going against this revolution. I think dudes on the cover forever. No, dudes on the cover forever, and and dudettes. Yes, um, people on the cover. That's what matters. Duderinos. Uh, <laughs> The Zulkin guy's kind of cool looking. What's wrong yes, with you? Exactly. That's why I was like, when you started saying it's not good art, I was like, you have to be kidding me. And then I was like, oh, he's on that. I think, I think the, the Zulkin guy should be on our show. I don't know. I Maybe he will be. I don't think he's going to make an appearance. He has oh. his hands full. I don't think he speaks English. Oh. That, uh, that should give me a point right there. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, but can we revisit Ethnos for a second? Because yes. although I do agree that Ethnos looks horrible. 
I really don't have a problem with the box or even really the card so much. It's the game board and the, yeah. and, the and the plastic <laughs> cheesy colored plastic pieces that you use. That that yeah, all I'm is exactly. Just it's horrendous. not even the game board. It's it's those little plastic chits that don't match art, anything like color wise yes. to anything, oh, anything else. That's the problem. Yeah. No, this the game board would have been fine. There's nothing. Yeah, the game board's board terrible. terrible. That, I was gonna say it's the game board for me. It could have just. It could have been six cards, and it would have been looked better than this. <laughs> yes. And it'd been cheaper, so I'm in. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I tried to make a mad dash for ten points, but I failed. So, <laughs> I was really trying to get the tiebreaker. Who's the guy in the picture, by the way? What that guy? I don't know. I just found yeah. it on the internet. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Hope he doesn't sue us. I don't know. <laughs> Randy uh, said his name is Lars, so I don't know. Lars. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll hear more about him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, I think that's the end of our show. So let's take a look at the scores. Once again, Andy is in the rear at eight points yeah, with John. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm coming in at second with nine. Pew, 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 pew. And uh, Chris wins at ten. So far, the uh, the random task winner has been winning the, the overall thing every time. So oh. that's two for two. I think I think it, I think uh, random task. Show them what you do. You win games. That's what you do. Right. All right. Well, Chris, take it away. All right, guys. So I truly had not planned this. I know at the very beginning of the show, I pointed at myself when I was talking about the winner. I was just being optimistic. I didn't think I was going to win. So in case of those people are thinking it's all rigged, it's actually not. But because of that, to prove, if I was actually going to talk about what I'm talking about and know in advance, I would have the rule book for the game. But I do not. I'm talking to you about why you need to play Dungeon Crawl Classics. It is the best tabletop role-playing game out there. AD&D is good, and it's fine. And this is a built on a 3.0 uh, skeleton, but it has an old-school feel. Everyone's loving the 5.0 e, uh, Dungeons & Dragons, and yes, I did enjoy it. That's actually what I came up on. I've only actually been playing for about five or six years now, but I have played a lot, a lot, a lot of D&D in that time frame, multiple campaigns, multiple times a week, and I've enjoyed the ride, but I've come to terms with the way that old-school D&D and those clones like it were played is the best way to play for me. It's different for everyone else, but the style of play and everything else is so much better. And this game, the the style the style of this game in particular is everything that you've ever thought of, at least for me. The what I thought D&D was going to be, that's what this game is. Where anything can happen. The roll of the dice changes everything all the time. And you may think, "Oh, that's not a lot of fun." Well, it keeps things interesting. It doesn't keep make it, make it to where you're tired. I'm in campaigns where I've been bored out to tears for the last year. But you know what? I started it and I'm sick, sticking it out. So, anyways, I know I'm being got, got even got the NH, I got the hockey buzzer on that one. But regardless, <laughs> if you're looking for a new uh, role playing game to give a try to, check this one out. Dungeon Crawl Classics, not a sponsor yet. I love them though. Goodman games are fantastic. Seriously, check out this game. It's a blast. Whatever John just held up. Hold that up again, John. That was fantastic. <laughs> so this listen, this is I know I know we're past the game, but I deserve some points for this. That's this isn't a board game. That's a, Dungeons and Dragons isn't a board game. Hey, hey, we are is a tabletop hobby channel. Well, no, we're not. Around. We're, board. we're around the board. What what board is there? Hey, it's his uh, speech. Well, he can, can talk one. whatever he wants to. He can. That's, that's true. true. But and I also, didn't want to. 
He got I didn't me... want to interrupt you, Chris, but but you. I think the first time you mentioned D and D, you called it a D and D. Yeah, Is that I like got a super... new version of attention deficit dungeon. I got super oh, no, no, excited. No, no, no. I okay. was like, "What is AD and D? What is AD and D?" So AD and D is short for Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, okay. So the oh. original version of the game, and then there was first edition, and then there was Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. So, okay, is there an ADHD and D? There is not. That's uh, oh, that's no, the no, new no, edition I take that's that coming back. out. I take that back. That... It's probably it's by name alone. There probably is one out there because there's like. For those that don't know, they are not part of the role, tabletop role-playing in, uh, community. Gotcha. There are thousands of games. D&D is the Kleenex or the Coke, so mm-hmm. to speak, but there are thousands of different tabletop role-playing games. There's games out there where you play as like Mice, like Red Guard or um, Mouse Guard kind of thing. There's the only one, one where you... There's ones where you play like as anything yeah. you could ever think of. There's a role playing game for it. The so with that said, that, there probably is an ADHD out there somewhere. The well, only I one that seems there even one minutely on interesting soon, sure. to me is the one. Uh, I think it's got a vampire theme where you can like stab people in the back. Right? You can turn vampire on each other. Masquerade, maybe. I don't know. I've never played that one. Yeah. I've is heard there, that's there the one to play. Stabby back for that. Is that how there is? And Daniel, I know you've played it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely all about political intrigue and uh, stuff. Yeah, I, oh, okay. I, I played a LARP session of it uh, all summer, and my whole goal was to try to uh, expose the entire cabal, and they ended up oh. catching me and skinning me and keeping oh. me in their basement, and they were going to write spells Thanks. off of my body for the next hundred years. That sounds good. In Sweet. the game, not in real life. In case that was not, uh, they didn't take your candy. skin? They did, no. Andy, what's your confidence level that there will be an ad for AD, ADHD and D on our, our show sometime? Well, you never know. Never know. Never well, hey, guys, know. I think that's a good enough show for today. But let's leave off with some uh, birthdays. We have two September birthdays. Uh, we want to give it out to uh, hear it up for Above and Below uh, 2015, seven years ago this month. Um, so uh, Above and the Below is from uh, Red Raven Games. Uh, Speaking of near- great artwork, it has Ryan Lockett's artwork is it has fantastic. Beautiful artwork. It's right here, even. It's on my beautiful artwork shelf. This is what this shelf is. And then the other one is Alien Frontiers. It's kind of the grandfather of all Kickstarter games. So mm. uh, this is the game that uh, Chris curses at night when he can't fall asleep and thinks about how Kickstarter has ruined our hobby. <laughs> actually, what it's actually happening is I'm crying myself to sleep that it was a Kickstarter game because I love that game. Ah, okay. Ah, well, okay. that one's 12 years as of this month. Well, guys, I think that's going to be it. And until next time, we'll see you around the board. Hey, Hi, puppy. about awesome notes. We got a guy, you and he's fighting this one. Emerald green wizard looking dude? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs>